You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Welcome back. I'm Sarah Box, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, where we're on a mission to help individuals, teams, and organizations, especially our nonprofit friends, to think outside the box, move beyond limiting beliefs, and create a profound impact in the lives of others. And I'm excited to say that our guest today, I have a partnership guest, partnership, yep, they've had a longstanding partnership making a difference in their county, um, do just that. Uh, they are also two people that I highly respect and regard and actually have fun with. So this is going to be great for me. And of course, it's always fun to have fun when you're doing an interview. So let me tell you briefly about each of them. Tim Clark is the executive director of First Five Lassen County, First Five Lassen. And he is considered a visionary community builder. He's led Lassen Links to thrive, bringing together agencies and organizations to serve families. And he has a rich background in pastoral work and innovative projects. Tim's commitment to his faith, his community and relationships, I would say shines through everything he does. And you're gonna feel that when he shares, he just kind of has that energy. Um, and Lassen Links, we're gonna talk about, because when I first met Tim, that wasn't even a thing. It came out of his co-creation with the next person on the podcast, Rhonda Hall and others in the community. So Rhonda has been married for 23 years. She pastors, co-pastors a church and is a former teacher. She's a mother of two sons, a daughter, and I love this, her basset hound. And as a public health educator at Lassen County Public Health, as I mentioned, she was fundamental in co-creating LassenLinks.org, which bridges resource gaps for those in need in Lassen County and actually kind of bridges other counties because they haven't put like this firewall around it. Like if you're not here, you can't benefit. And as I mentioned, I've, I've mentioned, I've known both Tim and Rhonda for a number of years now, but I've also had the privilege of working with First Five Lassen County periodically for nearly two decades. And what Tim and Rhonda and their collaborative partners have accomplished over the past three years is amazing. But I will tell you that it started as a dream more than 10 years ago, only to encounter barriers that others weren't able to get around. And I would say it's partly because of the different thinking that Tim and Rhonda have brought to it. And also they're both, they really don't give up very easy, which I admire. So I'm going to ask them to share on a variety of topics. Hopefully we'll get through all of these. We might not. But really, I want to talk about innovation and partnering, what happens when you ask what else is possible, how could we make this work, facing and overcoming real and perceived funding and resource challenges, and inviting others to share in success. And then also, how do you layer engagement so it makes it easy for other folks, your stakeholders and partners to say, yes, I want to be a part of this, it matters. So with that, let me formally welcome two people, as I said, that I highly regard and respect, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with. 
today on the No Labels, No Limits podcast show. Hi, Tim and Rhonda. Welcome. Hello. Hey, Sarah, thank thanks. you. Thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. Um, so before we dive in, I want to ask you, um, each of you, Rhonda, I'm going to ask you first because I know you have something um, to share something either about yourself or something that's happened that is relevant to what we're talking about today um, and that kind of surprised you. So, Rhonda, why don't you start? Okay. So, um, anyone knowing our partnership knows Tim is the one that helps keep things on track. I'm, I'm the little balloon that's bobbing going, let's do this, let's do this. And, um, I, when Tim, um, we're not in the same county right now. So usually he's with me on my computer screen or on my cell phone when I go into meetings. And, um, I'm usually the resource gal. Okay, here's the resource. Come, come. He's the one. Okay, we need to make sure this is happening. Our strategic man, he keeps it in order and, and wait a second, what are you doing? We need to get that back on plan. And so I was in a meeting giving a presentation about lastandlinks.org. Um, I was excited but didn't know what to expect, but Tim was unable to be with me because uh, we were meeting in a little tiny break room. There was 35 nurses and professional staff, and um, we were jammed in there, and I started talking and was going, and at the end, I'm like, I kept telling lastandlinks.org, lastandlinks.org, and I said, is there any questions? Well, this this young adult that I noticed in the background was not in scrubs, but kind of an emo-looking, dark hair, dark clothing, raises their hand and says, well, what is the five-year plan for lastandlinks.org? And I just, like, I felt like my jaw dropped and my eyes probably popped open so wide because I'm like, I don't know. I don't have Tim. <laughs> so I was able to catch my breath and say, I, I, I tried to interchannel that voice that of Tim in my, my head and said, well, we are working on that right now. We're growing as we go. And so um, I told that and the, the person smiled and put their hand down and, and I, I said, and I have bouncy balls and handed them out and walked out of the room. Well, what a great example, though, of like not waiting till everything's perfect before you get out there and share what's possible with other people. You know, it's kind of that concept of get going. Don't wait till it's all packaged and boxed up because you can't engage others. So, Tim, not being on her shoulder, what would you like to add? What's something for you that has surprised you or... Um, Oh, no, just what's up? We haven't talked for probably a month or more, so I'm very curious. Well, I'll say the process um, where we're at, um, we're, we're looking at uh, into an online referral platform to help facilitate referrals, and I wanted to get together a, a subcommittee of our of our partners to help be on some of the other meetings and whatnot. And I was thoroughly blown away at. Um, how many people were willing to be part of it? Now nobody volunteered. I had to had to ask, you know, even though I put that out there. And I would say our first meeting, we've only had one as a group. It was we 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 had a vendor. He they gave their presentation, and uh, Rhonda kept texting me, "This is too much," you know. It was just it was very very heavy, very dense, and and the man did a wonderful job of presenting their platform. But it was just drinking, it was just too much for us. You know, we, we didn't need the whole suite. 
And, um, and so I, I was just thankful that everybody was very, very patient. Um, and I have since re-strategized the, the approach. We're not doing those anymore until, until we can identify, but I, I am, I'm continually surprised at people's level of support for Last and Links. Um, and I, I think that's probably the biggest surprise is, is just people continue to help out when when I ask them. So. so now let's provide some context for folks because we're talking about Last and Links. Now, three years ago, a little over three years ago, not much, um, Last and Links wasn't even a concept, right? So Tim and Rhonda, First, let's set the context for Lassen County, right? Because I want folks to understand Lassen County, we're, in, we're talking about California, it's a big state. Um, and so if you can set the context a little bit for the county, its geography, um, the relationships, just some of that, and then how you even got on this journey. And Tim, that goes back to the whole first five thing, right? So paint a picture for our listeners about Lassen County. Well, if you want to go to the middle of nowhere in California, Lassen is almost there. <laughs> Lassen is a very, I'm going to say a very beautiful county. Um, we are a mix of high desert and the national forest from the eastern side of, of the Sierra Nevadas and the Cascade Mountains. So really a, a very beautiful area, a remote. Um, you don't accidentally go to Susanville. You, you, you plan to go to Susanville. Um, now, as, as other counties in California, we're, we're lots of land, but a small population. And so with that, we, it, we have found that many, many of the agencies and, and other providers, they wear multiple hats. Um, you know, there's, there's not enough, I'm going to say resources that other large counties would have. Um, and so there's there's some really unique challenges I think that small counties face. And even um, you compare small county to small county, like Modoc County is is even smaller than Lassen population size, but size may be a little bit bigger. Um, they have their own unique challenges and barriers. And so, you know, I will say Lassen County is a um, a, a remote, a rural area that. Um, uh, it has some really unique challenges where partnerships and collaboration, I think, is really critical for the success of the whole county. Rhonda, did you have any thoughts you wanted to share? Yeah, I just, I mean, just to get a picture, like Tim says, right in the middle. So um, if you drive almost two hours, you're still in Lassen County and almost to Reno. And then if you drive to Beaver, which is a tiny, tiny frontier community, almost two hours, you're still in Lassen County. So, um, and our, our resources, because of the many, many hats that our agencies wear, that we have a lot of people leaving. And, and so even though maybe the resources didn't go away, the people that knew about it are gone. And so it's in this constant circle of people knowing where to share and where to go because some people, I've, I've been in my program for six years, and one of the things we've innovated is giving away diapers. Um, I will talk to an agency. I just talked to one the other day, and they're like, oh, I didn't even know public health did that. We have a public health 
And so it's like, oh my gosh. So yes, so that has been a barrier. So that's a real example though of when institutional knowledge and the history leave, it's a huge gap. I mean, it's a huge gap in any county or community, but especially when there aren't a lot of people that have that, like there are certain people because of the size of the county, it's a real barrier or can be a barrier. So, um, and I love that you're the bouncy balloon person. <laughs> so as we go with that, Tim, you know, this project that ultimately ended up in Lassen Links started as something else. So can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so um, at the very beginning of, of my time as ED, uh, there was a grant opportunity that Laura Roberts, ED, before me, she uh, started the process and I, I finished. And it was really centered about building a collaboration around home visiting um, to help connect families into home visiting services. Um, and so that was the primary focus of the project. And so as we started, did you want me to share more? Uh, I do. Okay. Yeah, I want people to understand that this, because, you know, people say, well, like you were sharing earlier about like a shared database kind of thing, and that's not uncommon in some counties. But for you guys, it's it's not that it's uncommon, but it wasn't the first step. So I mean, sure. really, like the winding road is kind of the picture I'm trying to for folks to understand, so they might see themselves on that road and go, oh. So okay. continue on. Yeah. So um, so the focus was home visiting and connecting families into home visiting. Now, obviously, first five, we focused more on kids zero to five for that. And while our home visiting program does serve the whole family, um, our, our main focus is zero to five. And so uh, we went ahead and um, I approached Sarah and she was able to, to join us to help us uh, plan and whatnot as a consultant. And so we ended up getting uh, on board two other home visiting programs in Lassen County. So as we began to build the team, we had representatives from the uh, County Office of Ed, we had representatives from Public Health, uh, Health and Human Services, um, First Fives Home Visiting Program, and Head Start. And so th this was our core team. And as we begin to develop the plan and really kind of look at the grant and kind of start checking out the boxes, you know, from that came this idea of linking families. And so last and links, it was a funny thing, I was at public health talking with Rhonda and her uh, cohort, uh, Michelle, and um, we were thinking about names for Lassen Links. And at the time, I think it was like Lassen Connects, we were stuck on this connect word. Well, across the hall, uh, another coworker, Jen, she's no longer there now, but she was in charge of the oral health program. And so she says, what are you guys talking about? And like, well, we're trying to come up with this name. And she says, well, what, what are you looking at? She says, no, everybody uses Connect. Stay away from Connect. And then she came with the idea of Lassen Links. And we're like, aha, that was it. And so it's funny how, you know, just a small little conversation led to coming up with the right name, you know. Now, granted, Jen, she was a uh, marketing background, so she had a lot of good pointers and stuff like that. And so from that, we came up with this term, Lassen Links. And the idea really is to link. As Rhonda shared, one of the challenges is not necessarily uh, not having resources available, but it's really knowing what resources are available in our county. And so that was one, and from that came one of the principles and goals of Last and Length isn't just to help connect families to home visiting services, but really to help the partners be aware of what's available. You know, as many things go on, you know, grant cycles come and go, 
you know, there's just a lot of change. And so that was one of our goals to really try to help overcome is to create something that can help um, maintain, you know, those connections so people have the information to operate from. And so your ability to do that as a team also relied on some unique aspects of the grant that you applied for, right? For the bigger vision for the entire state of California and some adaptability, I guess. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's a story funders beyond California and foundations, all of that, donors also, independent people should think about. So can you talk a little bit about that, Tim? Yeah, sure. As I shared, you know, the main focus was on home visiting. Now, home visiting provides, they provide a, a large array of different services and benefits for families. Um, but as, as we began to work on this and, and consider more things, the reality is a home visiting uh, program isn't a one-stop shop. You know, they, they, they really end up connecting the families to other services that they may not be the, the right fit for. For example, there could be, you know, um, some maybe some financial assistance or housing and whatnot. So the home visitors would know about a lot of that stuff, but they themselves, they don't provide those things. And so we really began to realize that, you know, we need to broaden this beyond just home visiting. And the reality is in a small population, you know, while there, there are a lot of people that would want home visiting services, that may not always be the one thing that they wanted. And so we saw in Lassen County that we needed to broaden the scope more really to help facilitate and support home visitors and home visiting programs by being able to build those relationships that they can then rely back onto. So if they're working with a family that that is, you know, um, that they're in need of maybe some special education, you know, that we can, you know, build out the pipeline so we can find the right connections so they can then, you know, instead of working on establishing and building all those relationships, they can be part of the network that has all those relationships already intact. And so that way they can focus more on home visiting. And so we definitely did broaden it. Now, first five, I said it's focused more zero to five, but our home visiting program, they focus on the whole family. Um, and they, they, for grant requirements, they do have to have kids zero to five to be eligible. But um, it's, we began to really see that we needed to broaden this. So that way it would really have a bigger impact and it would increase sustainability for everybody. So that was one of the places where I think, Rhonda, you brought in so much wealth into the conversation because you were already seeing that from the public health side, like what people were calling and asking you for help with, what you were seeing with families. Can you share a bit about how that informed this work? Yeah, so part of my job as a public health educator is also connecting families to resources. And so I would get families calling, asking for help, um, maybe for diapers, but then they would say, yeah, my Medi-Cal, I haven't heard anyone back. And so then I would, well, go back to Medi-Cal. And, and I was just noticing, um, and then, and then our WIC or, and so then I would literally get them in my car and we would drive over there and get out. Well, um, I do tend to be a little mama bearish and I'm like, why aren't you providing these services? <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, we tried to, but we couldn't get a hold of them because their phone no number no longer worked. 
or we tried to and and this happened or our caseworker left so now now we one caseworker has 85 cases and so these are getting dropped and it was like i was watching people fall through the crack or sometimes at head start a family would apply but wouldn't be in but then they were still so desperate for services and so it's like how can we without doing all the work how can we help provide the connection and that's where it started cultivating great say a little more about that like when it started cultivating the two of you and you just have a conversation about this but um i recall in the planning where this started coming out like i'm following the guidelines from the state right like we need to cover these things to that gal in the back of your nursing room, what's the plan, right? I'm thinking, what's the plan? But as you guys started talking, what mattered most to you all wasn't the plan. It was addressing what you were pointing out, Rhonda, that there's people in need and they're, they're, they're needing stuff now. And I also remember the context is we were in COVID. You got, remember we were meeting remote. We couldn't, I would have driven up there, right? We would have been meeting in person. We couldn't, we met remote, which ended up working for us because then folks who couldn't drive two hours to show up could be there. Um, but also not only COVID, which pulled a lot of public health staff unavailable. So we really had to be flexible in how we even communicated with each other. Then the fires raged through the next summer, right? So your county, Loomis County, I mean, people were in dire need. And here are you guys working as a collaborative Yes, is it home visiting? Not per se, but you're reaching those families with their needs. So, I mean, that is a mentality that I think has helped glue you. I think it's nature to your relationships and how you guys work. So that's what I'm thinking about is those moments that were pivotal moments and even, and not even, but also Jen, like helping reach out with her oral health things. So how did you move from home visiting? Like what were some of the first things you did, like the baby steps? Because really where you are today is light years beyond where you were then, right? When we were doing paper, like, here you go. So um, talk a little bit about how you progressed through that. Well, I, I remember, and I think it's important for any collaboration organization to have a really good foundation to start from, you know, core values, core principles. And with our, our initial, our core team, you know, everybody was on the same page of, of prioritizing the family. The family comes first, their needs, you know, we're not trying to promote one agency or the other. If the focus really is to benefit the family. Um, and and that I think has been one of the key um, kind of, I think maybe this has been our rudder as we've gone through all of the stuff that we've gone through. And, and as continues to be the rudder, as we begin to look at an online referral system and, and doing more of a, a central database. And so I think because of our of our agreement that, you know, about meeting and serving uh, families where they're at, and then when the Dixie wildfire came through, um, you know, we, 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 we knew that, you know, Greenville was, was, was destroyed. It just caused a lot of havoc in Plumas County. And as it started coming over into Lassen County, um, everyone was displaced. And, and at that same time, it was right about the time of school starting. And so it was just chaotic. And so, um, yeah, and, and so with County Office of Ed being part of the team, you know, we all kind of thought, what can we do to help with families? And so we were able to 
through collaboration, put together some gift bags. Um, they had a bunch of stuff, toiletries, you know, um, activity books for their kids. And once again, at that time, we were focusing more on, on early childhood. And so we had a lot of stuff for, for, the, for the kids, a lot of stuff for the parents. Um, and we had these go bags, and we were able to get those all assembled through various different uh, support. And then uh, there's a, an organization called Mercy Chefs. They were brought in, um, and they were providing uh, meals to the uh, shelters. And so I thought, well, you know, not everybody's at the shelter, so how about I call them? So I called them up to see if we couldn't, you know, get some meals from them to help with some of the other families that haven't made it to the shelter yet. So, so we were able to do that. And so it was because our focus was, you know, helping the families, you know, because of that, we had a lot of people, you know, willing to, uh, to, to shift. It was, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Rhonda, but I don't remember there being any, like, pushback of, hey, what can we do to help, you know? In, in fact, it, it's sort of like when you throw a stone into a river, you get the, the rings. So it starts creating that. It's like, oh, here's my ring. Oh, I'm going to pull this person in, and I'm going to pull this person in. I'm, and so that's what happens within the collaboration. And during that time, that's what we were watching. It was, oh, well, did you contact this person? Have you tried this person? Or these people need help. And we were able to have a larger reach because they couldn't come to us, and we had to go out. Mm -hmm. and, and I will say, too, it really shifted quickly out of the planning and all of the humdrum stuff, you know, and into actually now we're actually doing something, you know, not only did we get bags together, but we also put together, you know, a little resource guide, you know, so, you know, we realize that there's families that we're now going to be in a new school district. How long are they going to be there? We don't know. So, okay, well, here's all this, all the schools. So if you want to get your kid enlisted, enrolled, you know, he gives the numbers a call. So we were able to put together, you know, a resource, you know, one pager to help people to kind of navigate you know, with all of the, the changes and whatnot. And, and I don't think we could have done that if our core team hadn't already been meeting. And so I, I, I think that was really, really pivotal during that um, very crazy time. That's um, a great observation, because didn't Patty fast track some of the onboarding for families, out of county families who were gonna have to go to school? And Patty's mm -hmm. superintendent, but, um, I just remember thinking, what a remarkable decision to make to make it easy for families who are dealing with a brand new school district and process, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think you're right, Rhonda. Would you agree with Tim that the working prior to that made that easier? Yes, I I think without already our core team and and then already are starting to link to other agencies, um, it it made it a lot easier. We we were already in motion. We had started the wheels turning. So I, I not only do think it made it better, but it also made it launched us quicker forward than maybe we were expecting. It's yeah. that momentum versus stagnation. It's like, okay, <laughs> no more just concept. Let's get out there and do it. Well, and, and I don't know how, how that propelled last links in the eyes of the community and the broader community maybe a little bit, but I think what it did most is for us that were in Last and Links is this is like, okay, it would, I think it did more for us than perhaps yes. it did for the community. Like a proof of concept, Tim? Exactly, exactly. Yes, yes. We're on the right path mm -hmm. for the yeah. of this. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that because I know 
early on, and I'm going to go back to 2011, 2012, when the first attempts to do something similar were, and it came to coming up with agreements. What were the agreements going to be? Who could have what kind of access? What kind of information, right? I was there. I drafted some of those and I watched them kind of stall out, even with brilliant people. I will say Laura Roberts is one of the most brilliant thinkers I've ever met um, and passionate, right? And even with that um, and some of her other colleagues at the time, it stalled, right? So, but you guys just kept chipping away at it. So Tim, talk a little bit. I mean, the very early baby steps, you and I had conversations about like this needs to happen and you thought uh, we could start it this way. So talk about that because I know there are other people listening going, I could never get my county soups or whatever to sign off on this or heads of agencies for information sharing or whatever. What was your thinking and how did you proceed on that? Well, I, I think first off, I, you know, I'm, I'm new to this arena. I've never really operated, I'm gonna say in government, local government, you know, before. And so this is, this is a whole, they, if you didn't know, they do things different than say, you know, private sectors or nonprofit, they do things different. And so this was all new to me. So I, I just bring with what I do and so, we noticed that one of the biggest barriers was a release of information. In fact, when, when Sarah and I were able to convene a, 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 our, our core team together to kind of get some buy-in, that was one of the things that kept popping up, you know, and there was some, hey, we tried this and it just didn't work. And so I said, okay, well then I guess we need to take care of that, you know, that since this is, this is the barrier. And so I just reached out to people and tried to get copies of, of ROIs and just started you know, doing the, the dirty work of just, you know, putting a draft together and then I would turn it over to the team. And then they would take out the red markers and they would scratch this, scratch that, we gotta change this, we gotta add that. And so then I would do that again. And so we kept doing that until we, with the team, everyone felt that this was this was on board. We all could agree to this. So, okay, great. And so then the next step was, okay, just because we all agree, doesn't mean that other partners as we bring them on board would be able to do that. And so the next thing, okay, well then who in the county would be able to give us their stamp of approval that would help, I'm gonna say, grease the wheels. And so in, in timing, I, in, I think the biggest thing is timing. You, you know, Sarah, you brought up about Laura. You know, Laura has worked at this stuff for a long time. And, and I think the biggest difference between during Laura's time and mine is simply a matter of timing. You know, I think that the dynamics within the county have shifted enough where I think everybody was wanting this. In times past, it, I, I don't think everybody was quite on board with that. But anyways, and so at that time for, for Tribe Lassen work, I was talking with county council, built a, a relationship with him at the time. And so I was able to get that to him to see if, if they could, um, uh, we would okay it, and, and he did. But one thing I found is as I was developing the draft, I did a lot of one-on-ones with people to kind of pick their brains about the whole, you know, release of information, barriers, or experiences and perspectives. And I will say the county council gave me a nugget that I, it really helped me understand is there some partners, some agencies, that are reluctant to join partnerships like this because of the information that is shared. And, and it helped me understand that sometimes the, the pushback isn't because people don't want to. Sometimes there's a, I'm gonna say at a, 
an administrative decision to simplify and to keep the the agency from getting into trouble you know um, i think that's part of it others is definitely capacity some some agencies just don't have capacity but those one-on-one -on -one meetings i had with various people really helped me to understand more about releases of information this is the first time i've ever heard of it let alone trying to draft one and so that was really really insightful of just getting those one-on-one -on -one meetings with people to really understand their experiences you know within the county um so that really helped me understand you know um, just how to take it when people would give any pushback or any i think that's a lesson for anything we're trying to do before we come and push what we think is quote unquote the right way to do it or our best thing is to listen like there's experience from people and whether or not we think their rationale is real anymore it may have been at that time it doesn't really matter if we're not listening you know, they're not going to, what do I care if you come and tell me, hey, Sarah, you got to do it this way. I'm thinking, hey, Tim, you don't have, you don't know anything about me or my work or anything. So it's like, learn something first and then show me or engage me in that. And I think that was when I was watching you do that and especially bringing on the core partners, right? And really listening to what is a make or break for them and being respectful of that. And I know, Rhonda, that affected you at public health, right? You have a lot of, um, not barriers, but you have requirements. You know, some are legal and some are risk, you know, insurance risk averse kinds of things. Um, so that was something that needed to be navigated with respect as well. Yeah. And nobody likes to be told what to do or this is the next thing you need to do. But by the one on ones, and I know Tim and I both have talked about this a lot, especially in our community, you have to have their partnership and you gain it by gaining their trust and you gain their trust by sitting down at their desk or inviting them to coffee or having lunch with them and then they see hey this person isn't just out this agency isn't just out to get my vote but they care what I have to say and I think for me I when I get an idea in my brain, it's easy for me to say, let's go, let's do it. Everyone come with me. But sometimes I forget to listen to the why. Why not? I don't want to hear why not, but if I stop and listen to the why not, can this not happen? Then we're able to change gears and say, well, it can't happen that way, but maybe it can happen this way. Mm -hmm. well, so, go ahead, Tim. If I can add, you know, you know, I, I think it was evident that we we're hearing what people had to say because it was apparent in what we did afterwards. Um, it, it was so it wasn't just one of those in in one ear, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. You know, we actually did, you know, take what they had to say, and you know, in real time, we would say, well, I don't know if we can do that, and we we're very open and honest with them. But we always tried to take what they had to say and and made it very, you know, they could see the, the benefit of that. So whether it changed, you know, how we. You know, we added a box to check to click on the release of information, or we 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 changed the verbiage, or we, we made changes that people could see that okay, yes, what we're saying, you know, they're listening, and, and it is causing an effect. And so, I think that was also key for them. That's one of the things I wanted to ask you both about: is how do you keep people? I mean, you've got your core partners, and then the folks who aren't necessarily in the resource sharing referral piece. So I'm going to ask you to describe last and links here in a second, but 
how do you keep your um, broader stakeholders involved so that they know they don't feel surprised i guess would be my question and they keep getting more interested in being a part of this um i one there has been a major shift i think in last links <clears throat> and then I, I would say it started probably about a year ago um and, and with that there were there were some funding changes for for last for, of, of our grant and so we weren't able to kind of do some of the things that we were doing such as you know having a contractor like you sarah to come in and help us and so that summer you know there's a definite transition and so our core team our advisory team you know they they really i think they got to a point where um they had tapped other people's shoulders to be involved and so they weren't as directly as involved as they had been and right about that time we were getting in a position where we can start um you know you know launching our referral system very simple you know two forms fill it out email it bob you know whatnot um and so the meetings you know we, we kind of entered in this little like uh-oh what's going to happen now is this the end of the road we don't know and so so Ron, so we said okay well we'll just we'll just see you don't know until you see and so we kept going and so so we started to really start broadening out to everybody you know to people that would be interested and so at that that transition has shifted where we still do have an advisory uh committee but they, they're not directly involved uh they have they have tapped several shoulders to be involved some couldn't and i will say one of the biggest challenges i think sometimes is not everybody is always able to meet be at the meetings all the time they have their own work schedules they have their own priorities and sometimes like it or not we just didn't make it to be on their priority list for that time you know and so we were very flexible with that and not just flexible but understanding, you know, so, you know, uh, we had, you know, superintendent of schools, you know, there's other people that were in positions that they had a lot of other hats to wear in other projects. And so I, I would say, you know, we've been very kind of understanding of people's schedules. Um, but anyway, so as we started broadening it up to really get to a position where we can launch this referral system, um, I think what is the shift has happened is that the the uh, our core team is that is comfortable enough where things are at that they can just kind of step back and allow it to go and so Rhonda and i we've really been kind of the, the driving force behind all of this and expanding it into our in taking the referral system implementing it and expanding it. <clears throat> so how has it expanded because you you talked about like one of the premises was like just let's test before we build a huge system right so let's pilot test it so you started with your simple paper email thing with the folks who you already had releases and you know all the quote-unquote paperwork you needed in the background to legally and ethically share certain pieces of information um, how have you broadened it to bring in other folks i know that i and i was looking for it this morning couldn't find it it was one of the updates from Rhonda when you sent out like a meeting update and you were glad or anyway somewhere in there it was like you were bringing on this partner and i remember two years ago that it was like it'd be so great if they could be involved and they were getting involved i'm thinking oh this is big stuff right so you've broadened it to not just specific kids services or young people services but really a breadth of people and representatives so how have you done that well i think like tim mentioned about 
people tapping other people on the shoulder is what happened. And so then it would be like, I think sometimes we, we were kind of on a train ride. It was like, go here, stop here, go here, stop here. And so we begin to meet new people that were involved in different agencies and then and sitting down going, well, we really need this group needs to be a part of this. I mean, we did start with our zero to five people. Well, then people that were looking in says, well, I don't service zero, zero to five people, but I could see my teenagers would use this and I could see that this family would use this. And so we just started making connections or for the cheesiness links to other agencies and we started seeing oh we did the same thing here and and we work here and we do this together and where you fall through the crafts crats oh see cracks cracks <laughs> when you fall through the cracks last and links is there not to change your system of care not to alter how you do things but to hold you up for a minute and I'll take those people that we take those people that fell through the cracks and we connect them to the next agency that are able to help them out. And then it started becoming a thing where people were like, I'd get phone calls. Hey, I heard of this links thing. What are you doing? And, <laughs> and so when we started getting those calls, I mean, I'll never forget our first meeting where Tim is online. He's big. We're at the county office. We had no idea who was coming, you know, and it was like, did the passion that Tim and I have, because we saw it work. When we threw it out in November, we were like, is it going to work? We ended up, I don't, Tim, do you remember the number? We got way more referrals. Than nine we, referrals. Nine referrals. And we're like, uh-oh. <laughs> and so I, I, I think, does that answer your question? Nine referrals of other agencies you needed to talk to or nine families in the moment that needed you? Nine families that we connected immediately. Like yeah. I got a call and it was like, oh, okay. So I called the family and I got the family connected and it was like, check, one done. And it was within less than a month, we had nine, 100%. 100% of the referrals we received received the services they needed. So, and I just, for the listeners, I want you to know in the background before this went, this, the core group had thought, okay, these are our expectations. If someone calls, I'm going to use you as an example. If they reach out to Rhonda and she refers, our expectation as partners is that within 24 hours, that family gets something, right? Mm -hmm. That they're not left hanging, you know, to, to your earlier point, Rhonda, that someone would call and say, I've been waiting and I haven't had a call back, right? That was what you guys as a group wanted to not have happen anymore, right? Yes. Well, so and, you would get... Pardon, Tim? It was three days, three business days, not 24 hours. We'd love 24 hours, but we thought three, three business days, days okay. would give a little bit of grace. <laughs> okay, three business days. But were you, did you guys talk about 24 hours initially? Or was I making that up and I'm just... Uh, no, I think that was definitely someone said 24 hours and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. You're working with someone with extreme ADHD. So 24 hours, that's a lot to throw in the pinball machine because <laughs> I'm not going to get anything else done. So, yes. So we did three, end up three business. business days. But think about those nine referrals that heretofore would have been out there spinning, right? So that's a huge um, affirmation of the process. Well, and as 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 Last and Links came to to be, 
and we began to say, what are we going to do? This, this whole idea of referrals came up. One thing that we realized is everybody has a system of referrals. It's that back-end support that is what's lacking. And so that, I think, for, for me, has been a key that we've been presenting this to people is you guys already have your referral systems in place. You know, the challenge is the follow-up. And so we really built that into our referral system. And, and once again, you know, because we've listened to people, we, we understood that everyone has their own system. And so we're not trying to take over people's territory. So we've worked hard to try to get this to integrate with their existing referral system. And so though those nine referrals, one of the challenges is with our Head Start. It wouldn't fit with their system. They have family service providers that do the very same thing. And so we met with them and we realized, okay, well, we don't want to disrupt your program. You got a good program going on. We don't want to mess with that. And so they said, well, what can we do? And they says, well, you know, there's people that's waiting to get their kids into Head Start. So they'll apply, but then they don't hear anything. So what if while they're waiting, we can get them plugged into their last and length so that way something is going on instead of just waiting in a line. And so I think that was another key for, for our referral system to really to integrate well within the county. Similar to your approach for your um, agreement, information agreements, your memorandum of understandings, listening to people and going, okay, what would work here? What, how could we help and be a benefit? Um, so let's talk specifically about last and links. We've been talking about it, but describe for people what it is because it wasn't. So we've talked about it being a referral system, but it's more than that. It's a website. It's interactive. People can go there. They can put stuff in. Um, now there's a whole guide online, which was used to be within public health, right? It was, it existed. So talk about that. That's a big win, you guys. So another part of my job, um, I started at public health six years ago, was the resource guide. So the resource guide was a big, thick book that is hard to navigate um, that was printed 10,000 copies remember, we're a rural community, was printed, um, and there was hundreds of boxes. And they're like, okay, you're the resource guide person. And I'm like, what? So for four years about, I just kept it under my desk. I had it in a basket, and I would look. Oh, dear. So when Laugh and Links started coming up, the need for a resource guide was there, too. And so, yes, did I jump in and said, oh, this maybe could help me get this done too. And that's where we started being like, these are the main resources. And the big thing about a paper resource guide is once it's printed, it's outdated. So we knew that we needed to have a guide that was online and was able to edit it. And so that's, that was also building, it kind of the resource guide also built while we were building lots and links. So what a good idea to house the res community resource guide on a community system, fastandlinks.org. So what is it though? I mean, so if I go there and I'm, how do I, is it just for families? What, what kinds of stuff would I find there, Rhonda? So um, yes, it is right when it pops up, there's a, a little box that pops out, that says referral. So somebody could refer, you click on that, and it actually, um, does it go to you, Tim, or me? And it just says, 
hey, what, what are you looking for? What, what do you need? And, and they could do that. As they scroll down, it has all of our many agencies or partners that are involved. And, um, and so you can click right there, click on it, and it will take you. So, so we have a new agency called Acorns to Oak Trees. Well, that's an interesting name. What is that? You click on it and it pops open their agency page that tells what their heartbeat is, what they're about, how they can help you, and how you can get in contact with them. And so as you scroll down a little more, we have um, something in Susanville called Susanville Stuff. And that is kind of, since we don't have a newspaper anymore, that is the link for community calendar that says what's going on, what's happening. You click on a button, it takes you to Susanville Stuff. And the, there's a button that you click on that says, here's our resource guide. And in our resource guide, it's actually clickable. So if you're looking for housing, you click on the housing button, it will list all the housing agencies, all the numbers, all the directions, how to get there. And then our other button that you could click on is how to enroll to Medi-Cal services. And the application is on there. And, um, and so, that, yeah, Tim, what did I miss? Well, it, you know, just the idea that we were able to take Rhonda's project and put it on the Last Links, part of the draw was, okay, if people go to lastlinks.org, what are they going to do? You know, it's like, you know, it's not like we have, you know, staff, you know, to, to be able to monitor, to maintain a website. So we thought this would be, a, once again, focusing on families, what do they need? Our goal is to connect families, families the services they need. And so, okay, having a resource guide would make a lot of sense and to have the guide structured in a way that would be intuitive for somebody looking for help. And so oh. that, yeah. Oh, sorry, Tim. One thing that I love about the site is um, I don't do websites well. And, and so I was saying, I was telling our designer, I'm like, it needs to be, I was gonna say a three-year-old, but some three-year-olds do better than I. So I said, it needs to be as accessible for an 80-year-old to get on there and be able to man where they were going. And it is that way. I mean, it's not so simplistic that it bores you, but it is very easy and functionable. It's intuitive, I would say, when you look at it, it's engaging and intuitive. It's, Enga not, yes. difficult. it's not difficult at all. Now, you guys have done a wonderful job with that. Um, as we're kind of wrapping for now on this, I, I wanna ask a couple, questions and then encourage people to reach out to you because I know you have tools and resources that you are willing to share because that's who you are. Um, and But one of the questions is if you each take a moment and think about some of the milestone moments over the last three years as you've been working on the collaborative and building it, what would you say two or three of your like highlight moments are where you're going, okay, this is going to happen? For me, it was, we had a woman that works at County Office of Education. Her name is Megan Gray. And she called me and said, oh, so I am working on my master's degree and I have to create a resource guide. How can I help you? I went, oh, I found my person. So that was one of mine. <laughs> Perfect. For me, there's a couple of things. One, you know, we we already broadened this from what the state wanted, first five California wanted. Well, 
we had people coming with probations department. They don't work with little kids. They work with, you know, you know, high school and you know, school age kids and above. And they're like, we're not little kids. What, what do we, we don't, well, and I was talking to Rhonda, Rhonda, what are you talking about? Why are they saying little kids? Well, we begin to realize because we started with an early childhood lens, it was communicated through the website. And so that's what they saw. So while we were saying this was for the whole family, the whole family, what they were seeing was this is for little kids. We don't do that. So that helped us to to really understand, okay, we need to broaden this even wider now, not just from early, but to really to anybody. And so that led us with updating our website because we were sending out a message that we were no clue that we were sending that because mentally we were in a much different place than when we had initially created the last and links. Um, and, and I think that. Two other things is now that probation is actually, they're going to become a partner now with us. And so we're able to work them in in a different tier. But the other was with uh, Northeastern Rural Clinic. Um, I don't know how in the world they got heard, how they heard us, maybe through Teresa Woodbury, Rhonda. I'm I not. So. Well, the, the new CEO says, hey, we're, we were looking for something like this and we'd love to partner with you guys. And so they have been, I will say, all of our partners have been wonderful, but they have been, you know, very helpful in refining our referral process, our forms, because they operate in a much different realm than we do. And so dealing with probation and Northeastern, those were the two elements that it's like, okay, th those were, you know, memorable um, times. Um, yeah. Yep. How do you, um, I know times get tough, things get stuck. Right, you're on a roll, things are going all of a sudden, the wheels go, and you're going, okay, what was that about? How do you guys keep each other encouraged and keep going when it feels frustrating? Because I don't want people to think that there are never any frustrating moments, because there are. Mm -hmm. Well, um, we, Rhonda and I, we now meet on a weekly basis. We were doing like once a month, but now we're doing more of a weekly basis. And, and Rhonda and I, we, and feel free to chime in, Rhonda, too, is, but we we openly discuss everything, you know, as far as a project. You know, how are things going? How are you feeling? So not only are we entering this with our heads, but also with our feelings and, and really trying to get a sense of what's happening, where are things going, and then begin to ask the next question, why is that? And now all this happens, you know, in the background while we're still having our meetings, we're still doing all this stuff. And so um, I'm going to say that's kind of maybe the shop talk that goes on, the internal dialogues. And and so we, as we get to the next meeting, we're like, okay, here we go. Let's see what happens. And so far we have been, I think everything is, is coming together. Um, and so when those, those breaks happen, we talk. We try to get a read. We're, is, is people losing interest? Um, is it time of year? You know, people's workloads, we really try to put ourselves in their shoes to see maybe it has nothing to do with us. Maybe it's just stuff they're going through. Yeah, I think our weekly meetings were very important. We were having monthly meetings and it was with the whole group and then a certain person wouldn't be here or that person wouldn't be here. And and so we weren't able to do problem solving where um, so when we started meeting weekly, it, we were able to throw throw our dice out there and say okay what's going on where where's the feeling and then we'd go on missions 
Tim was a lot more completing the missions than I. My, my list keeps growing, my post-it notes. And, but by doing that, we, we were able to stay connected. And by us staying connected, we were able to pull our partners in. I know Tim mentioned, or Sarah mentioned Michelle. She's um, also a maternal child adolescent with me. So when I was feeling a drag, I would say, okay, we need to do this and problem solve. And so I think by those meetings, it has helped keep us going. It's given us each energy to bounce off of each other and then go back to our connectors and bounce off them. And that, I feel, what kind of kept us going when those breaks felt like we were stopping. Well, and the honesty, I think, is important. Um, when you talk about relying on each other and honest conversations, being able to say, are you picking this up? What do you think's going on? Is it just me? You know, am I the only one noticing this? Am I off base? Um, I just think having those places where we can have honest conversations, we don't have to show up as like, I got it all figured out all the time, um, is necessary as leaders and change makers in a community, in an organization, and in our families. You know, it's like being honest. And, um, you know, the buzzwords are vulnerable and authentic. And while those are buzzwords, I think they're important for us to be able to be human. Mm -hmm. And and I and I think with Rhonda and we both, we have a really good rapport with each other where we we have been open you know about how we're feeling about the project and whatnot and and um, and sharing concerns and I I think that's the other thing too we, we share okay this is a problem you know what do we do yeah. you know and so um, definitely problem solving is a key element in our discussions. Um, well one thing I enjoy about Tim and I is, um, and I think for when you're building a partnership, you don't want everyone that looks through the same type of lens the same way. Because if if we had three or four Tims, it may not happen the way it does. And, and Lord knows if we had three or four Rondas, it would be a hot mess. So, but being able to be in a partnership with somebody that brings balance but then also brings a different perspective. You, you know, we mentioned thinking outside the box. Um, some people get stuck in the box where I'm like, don't put me in a box. I'm not going to even get in the box. And so by forming those partnerships with people that have a different perspective is very, very important. I could not agree anymore. That is perfectly said, Rhonda. Um, so I'm imagining there are people in other communities going, okay, I might not want the same thing, the same end result that you've created, but I know I need to go through some of those processes and understand more about how this works. Um, so how should folks reach out to, is Lass and Links how you would want someone to reach out to you and say, hey, I'm raising my hand, could I have a conversation with you guys to see what's up? Or if I'm a funder and saying, I want this to be even more, successful and replicable in other communities, how would I even reach out to you guys? What's your recommendation? Well, on the website, there is a phone number and that actually goes directly to Rhonda. So they're happy, they're welcome to call. Um, there is a contact us uh, link on the pay, on the website that they can go um, and, and uh, reach out and that will come out to both Rhonda and I. Um, and I don't know if in the show notes, our, our email addresses, you know, welcome to email us um, anytime about anything that we can help. Like I said, you know, we're, we're happy to help other people. We're not in this, you know, 
to, to build an empire. We're really here to, to build a collaboration, very different strategies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the email, absolutely. And, and most likely we will set up a Zoom call with you because uh, we do tag team off of each other a lot. So it, it helps make more of the insight greater if you have both of us. I agree. And it's fun. It's more fun that way. So there's a lot to be said for enjoying the time you're doing work. Yes. So I want to thank both of you for being on the podcast. I know scheduling with you guys is not always easy. But it was amazing to me that within pretty short order, we were able to find a date that worked for everybody. Um, and I'm excited to share this with our community. So that's my thanks to you guys. I do feel privileged to know you. I brag on Lassen County a lot when people say, we don't have resources. I'm thinking, really? Let me talk to you about this little county that has a huge geography and they're getting stuff done. Um, and I do think there is a spirit in your county, people who are either just, not just, but people who live there and love Lassen County and the organizations that serve there, is you don't really take no for an answer. You're kind of a, okay, well, we don't like that approach. We're gonna figure it out another way. And I think there's a lot to be said for that, not giving up. Yeah. Well, well we thank you, Sarah. You've been a huge help for us. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been wonderful. And we were excited to see what the future holds. Uh, we know there will be more twists and turns coming. And, um, but um, I'm excited that uh, there's still some funding coming in for this project. And that um, I think we'll be in a good position to hopefully you know, start reaching out for support here in the future. Hey there, everybody. I want to take just a minute out of this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast to tell you that we are officially opening the Sandbox membership in September. So if you're not already on our mailing list, please click the link below to either sign up for the membership or get on the waiting list for the membership. And if you click the link, you'll find more information about what's included, what our plans are, and better yet, you'll be on early enough to help decide what is most important to you to experience in the first three to six months of the membership. So don't wait. Click the link below and join us in the sandbox where fun happens. We get to do a little R&R, &R, little learning, support one another and really grow and expand in ourselves, in our lives, and impact the world in a profound way. So come on over, join us. Okay, so that was the official end of the podcast, but what I like to ask people, is there something you wish I'd ask that we didn't get around to talking about? So Tim, what do you wish we'd talked about? is our funding you know we are we did and we continue to get some grant funding from first drive california but the funding didn't go to pay for for my time didn't go to pay for Rhonda's time or really anybody else the funding went into developing last and links and so you know the the relationships you know via in kind is what has been funding all of this stuff um, you know, Rhonda, you know, we were looking at, okay, where would a good place for last and links to sit, you know, um, at the planning stages and knew, well, Rhonda's position, she does, she's a referral person. And so, okay, well, she made sense within our context to bring her on board. And so far we've been able to operate via in-kind. 
there has been no exchange of money to any agency for their time that they have spent at our meetings, at our planning sessions. Uh, th this has all been, you know, that that has been a huge, huge help. And I know that funding eventually will run out, but it has, because of people's willingness to collaborate and for um, other people who are in key positions that that's already their job, that has helped us to get the project done on a very small budget. So. so one of the things, and this is my external view looking in, and that is a huge risk. I mean, you guys have built something that is very powerful, has a huge return on investment, right? And so expecting important work like that to happen without a budget, um, it would not happen in the government sector. If, if the government didn't have the money to pay for Rhonda's position, she'd be gone, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, sorry, can't put you there, no matter how good the ROI was. Same in the private sector. You know, you can't keep running in the black and the red. Black would be nice. <laughs> um, so I think there's a, some sort of fantasy about this type of important work just happening by the kindness of people who are already super busy and stretched um, being sustainable, and it's not. And so at some point without financial support to help spread the word, support the people doing the work, I, I hate to say it, but it's at risk, right, mm -hmm. of not being what it is today unless all of the existing people remain, right, because you've got this commitment and relationship with one another. Mm -hmm. um, so what would you say to funders and, and grantors in terms of supporting the operation side of these things that aren't necessarily direct service, but they have a huge ROI on keeping people stable in their families, out of quote unquote systems, which are much more expensive. Um, what would you say? So, so my strategy is if I go up to people, hey, you, got, you wanna give us some money? They're probably gonna say no. Okay, what is Last Links? What are you guys trying to do? What is that? And so the benefit of the grant from First Rock California has given us the, the wonderful thing called time time for us to develop, time for us to really get to get in our minds, not only what Last Links is, but how it's going to function and add value to our partners. And so because of that grant, it's given us time to have people's in-kind. And so the plan is, is to build a viable um, system that is functioning and that there is a track record of it functioning. So then when we present it, then it's gonna be, I'm gonna say a no-brainer. Um, and so that's that's a strategy that I'm I'm using. And and as we move along, we're able to start build, as we build our partnership, we're building our awareness. And so we're actually starting a camp, a community a, a awareness campaign of Last and Links, where we actually are, are partnered with Susan Dill Stuff to co communicate and start branding Last and Links. We developed the poster or window cleaning, some other flyers, so all of our partners can. So, so we're really starting to try to get the name out there so there is a name recognition. And at the same time, we're also trying to refine a referral system. So that way it's very easy for our partners to use. And it gives Rhonda and I the back-end support because um, Rhonda does all the connecting, I do all the reporting. And so we'll, that's the next piece, once we can get that into place, get it piloted and get, get the kinks worked out, 
So that way, when people ask the questions, we can give them answers. And so, so we're hoping in the next, I'm going to say six months, we'll have an online referral system. We'll continue to expand our partnership and continue to refine what Last and Links is and benefits. And at that point, then we begin, we will begin to start reaching out to some of the key players in the county um, for various, um, you know, support. Um, so would you see it as a, a revenue source? And I don't want to simplify it, but like a almost for the bigger organizations and a pay to play kind of thing. Like if you want to use this and save all this money within your organization, there'd be a fee for it. Are you looking more grant? What are you thinking when you say support, Kim? Um, I, I don't want the pay to play um, because that I think it will change the dynamics of okay. a collaboration. And I don't want to do that. I want to protect the, that 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 um, that sense or that spirit about the collaboration. So really, uh, my thought is we look at to the the big funders in the county that provide funding for you know services for for families. You know, office of ed. You know, some of these that have more discretionary budget items that can begin to support things like an online referral system. So that way, it's sustainable that can help provide with some of the staffing that is required to maintain the website um, and to, to maintain the meeting facilitation and things like that. So um, so this would then become, I'm going to say, part of their budget on an annual basis that they would fund uh, LAS and LINKS. Um, and, you know, with that, with, with me representing First Five, you know, that would def First Five would definitely contribute some of that. And that's another key importance. If I'm asking other people to pay for something that I'm not willing to pay for, what is that communicating, you know? Um, and so that's so that's where we're going with this, just because this affects or benefits the whole community. Um, so I think it, it would make sense for community partners to make this part of the budgeted items. Right. So there is a five-year plan, Rhonda. It just hasn't involved yet, right? Yes. I know. Been, I knew it was there. <laughs> It's yeah. good. It was just in Tim's brain. <laughs> well, sometimes it has to play out. So, okay, thanks again for being on the podcast. I'm glad we asked that question and answered it because I bet that was in the back of a number of people's minds, like, what is up with the funding on this? So thanks for providing the clarification. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.